And now on Radio 4, the book at bedtime. <laughs> Roy Chubby Brown reads The Tiger Who Came to Tea. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Two Beers Until Phrenesis, a philosophy podcast by students and graduates. Whether you've never heard of philosophy or have a philosophy PhD, we hope you enjoy these conversations as we discuss some of life's big questions over a few beers. Enjoy. So today I'm joined by Sam. Hello. Hello. Hello, Zach. Hello. Hello, Nye. Hello. And hello, Kieran. Hello. Nice of you to turn up. Thank you very much. And uh, we're going to talk about my dissertation, which is a dissertation I did about eight months ago uh, for my master's. And it was titled, The Spectacle of Nature, an Exploration into the Ethics of Visual Appreciation of Animals in British Leisure. I love the way you have to keep reading, though, because you keep forgetting it. Well, yeah, because fuck, it's a shitty title. Uh, So, Nye, you've read it, but... I haven't read it, so I'm going to basically go through just some ideas that I picked out of it, conclusions and premises and headings and things, throw up a bit of discussion. But basically I wanted to look into animal ethics, but I had to narrow it down quite a lot. It's it's pretty overblown, I'm not proud of it, but I think there's some decent ideas in there that will start a nice informal discussion between us all. Um, So first of all, uh, what I did with the dissertation was I tried to look at a context in which to juxtapose modern attitudes to animals, so things like the David Attenborough stuff and you know the way we look at animals today, uh, with something more antiquated and something more of a contrast. So I basically chose to look into Christian attitudes to animals. So do any of you guys know anything about theological attitudes to animals, kind of like the historical stuff, like? No, not really. No. Not particularly. Um, no, no. More or less just, you know, like what Descartes said about consciousness and animals and that sort of thing. And animals as autonomous. Oh, yeah. The, was the things they're living machines or. Yeah, that when that sort of thing came about. And obviously, yeah, like origin species and onwards and how opinions changed about these sort of things. But Yeah, so the rationalist stuff. Right. Yeah. But before that, not really, no, apart from just use in sports and all that sort of thing. Yeah, so going back really far. Obviously, you guys are all familiar pretty much with Genesis. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I can't dance. Um, <laughs> no, um, so the rationalist stuff that Nye mentioned kind of comes from, I think, it, there's a continuity um, from biblical texts and stuff before that. Um, you've read Nietzsche, haven't you? Uh, I've read a bit of it, yeah. Yeah. Have you read any of the stuff he says about... Uh, nature and Christianity and Christianity's relationship with nature the sort of demonisation of nature oh well it's all about they, they're trying to the whole point of Christianity is they're trying to remove themselves from nature they're trying to be above it I think yeah. that's his like viewpoint isn't it yeah it's, to like, transcend it into it's like a self-hatred a hatred if, of as your as own like, nature is a bad thing and it's like yeah. the whole like repression of sexuality it's like mm. oh that's our like animal instincts we need to make sure that we repress that or like we need to repress our like will to violence and all those things yeah obviously that's talking about non- sentient nature um, and sort of denying that but um, I think that broader notion of hating nature that's I would argue is embedded in Christianity kind of why would you say that why would you just dig on that that's, that's the good like, that? yeah what, where does that come from because I don't know anything about Christianity and their hatred of nature because the, the only aspects I know is like 
the big G made all those animals. Is this is this still from Genesis? Is this kind yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the other? What do you mean passages? by what do you mean by the the hatred of animals? Or um, that's interesting to sort of figure out. Okay, so I'll, I'll be interested to hear if any of you guys have ever picked up on this kind of stuff as well. But so in Genesis, for instance, we'll just stick with Genesis for now. Um, obviously, the idea of the original sin. That it, so I'm talking about broad nature, not just animals. Okay, okay. Um, but the idea oh, yeah. of it, the seminal sin of like everyone is innately sinful. Um, original sin, yeah. Yeah, and, um, and they re- they realise that they were naked and they get all embarrassed and stuff. Yeah, like there's a there's a, a, a shame uh, in the natural which is undeniable. But also thinking of animals specifically, it's pretty much the only creation myth of its kind where it uses animals and language, animals that can speak. Uh, and I can't remember whether it's they. The animals are unnamed, or the animals lose their ability to speak, or whatever. Basically, it's it's probably has the most negative view of animals innately. Um, or because they see it as a punishment or something. Of all of all creation, yes. Well, for a start, the animals get punished alongside humans. Um, the, yeah, there's very little reverence, even though they're capable of language. Um, it's it, compared to things like Native American myths, which are very similar, which have uh, like anthropomorphized animals and animals capable of language, it's still probably the most negative creation myth of its kind. Fair? I don't... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to think about what other creation myths I know. It's like literally fucking Tolkien just singing the world into being over like four incomprehensible <laughs> pages that you don't know what's going on. Um, and you can link that to paganism. D- d- but that's kind of like, isn't that the worship of like nature as a force or as yeah, like Christianity which, which is like why moving Christianity, away from nature as yeah which is why there's this big dichotomy between uh, Christianity and paganist religions so I, I think a lot of this bleeds into um, kind of misogynistic stuff historical misogyny the idea of women representing chaotic stuff and um, oh the mother the mother the yeah, first nature because Obviously, most of the religions we know today are um, patriarchal, not matriarchal. I can't think of a single example of Hinduism. You say that's no, it's it? more neutral. I'd be saying yeah. anything, but it's well, a bit more balanced, isn't it? For Shiva is like yeah, a lot of the gods have got like great destroyer or whatever, and five dicks like, and a fanny hard. sort of thing. It's yeah, like, it's, there's a lot of androgyny. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of like you can tell it was made up in pubs and like yeah, sheep has got like nine phalluses. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like every time you hear the story, it's like yeah. she's got another phallus. I'm what, curious. What, sorry, why do you think that the the devouring mother is misogynistic necessarily? What, it, we can talk about incels now. No, I'm, I'm just cu- I'm just curious. I'm not challenging it. I'm just curious what your devouring mother is. That like what like a Jordan Peterson? Yeah, it's an archetype. So yeah, because that's that's what you've just said, right? You're on about the the sort of devouring mother the, nature. The, uh, the, uh, yeah, um, like chaotic. Well, yeah, d- demonizing. Well, in, in some cases, these kind of things would be literally demonized. It'd be associated with the devil, which I think is pretty negative. I mean, your your view of chaos in in misogynistic um, misogyny is well, in women is probably. Uh, a little bit more nuanced than that. But a lot of the anti-paganist stuff that was going around in the Middle Ages pretty much was misogynistic. I don't think that's... I don't think it was particularly nuanced. I don't know. So what... I mean, what... I, I mean, I'm not really familiar with, with that idea. 
over what Jordan Peterson says on it. Well, I, mean, I think what well, he's it's talking not, about is Jungian archetypes. Yeah, so it's not Peterson's idea, it's Carl Jung's yeah, sort yeah. of yeah. archetype. Um, right, which is something, so I mean, the idea of, a lot of, a lot of the Jungian archetype ideas come from this idea of, um, so a lot of religious texts, a lot of um, mythologic symbolism has stuff like else. gender built into it, stuff like gender, and um, and you can um, you can see through how a lot of these mythoses manifest themselves uh, how stuff like certain aspects of feminine and masculine sort of permeate into different kind of characters or categories and um, yeah. and, and sort of manifestations of one's psyche. Um, and, and I think one important thing I think is it, to note in a lot of what Jung said about a lot of the stuff is, is something like, you know, chaos is associated with like the feminine archetype, but it isn't innately a negative Thing. Chaos is not innately negative. It's the same thing with like order is neither innately um, it's the opposite force, negative. Yeah, it's just the opposite force. It's, it's the necessary was like yin and yang. Right. Like because too much order is, is not bad. Because yeah. too much order good. is equal equally tyrannical as too much chaos. Yeah. Um, um, so yeah, that that is a more nuanced view. But I, I'm not sure that with all those caveats was what a lot of people that used to fucking burn witches right. had on yeah. their mind. Sure, is, and is, I don't is, know much you, about is, that. Is that what you're saying? Is like the like the burning witch is like the the ultimate expression of misogyny. It's like it's yeah, that, the, the ultimate the ultimate fear of. Mm. Well, there's an interesting. Um, the witches were male as well. Yeah, um, it's true. But was it just anyone who was pagan or anyone who was just you would literally just like oh, I don't know that guy. I heard he's a yeah. witch. It was basically just lynching for a lot of it, wasn't it? Just people they didn't really like who were just sort of offshoots of society a lot of the time. I don't, yeah. I don't I, think I, I, don't think I get that, lynched so hard. I don't think the, the trying of witches was necessarily a manifestation of misogyny because there were a ton of executions that were carried out all through that period towards men. It just happened to be a common sort of um, persecution that people made of dodgy women in the village at the time. You know, it's that was just a way of categorising them at the time. I don't think that's necessarily misogynistic. Plenty of people were killed for un- unjustifiable means at the time. Not truly justifiable, anyway. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm linking it more with uh, academic... Well, not academic, but intellectual, um, theological ideas, like e- the representation of women in the Bible as well. Well, but Eve is the one who... Yeah, she she basically did the bad thing. <laughs> she got the, the apple. So so you're saying the Bible's sort of misogynistic because it's Eve who's fucking. Yeah, and the, the Judaic tradition. There's obviously uh, another woman sat around with Adam and Eve. Oh, is that? Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, oh my god, red pill. Name and shame. Name and shame. Um, but yeah. she but she was basically made out to be demonic and cast out, and she was basically this this big demonic force and depicted very. Fucking hell, it's just like right, it's mind blowing, isn't it? Um, yeah, this is like when you find out about the three wizards in Harry Potter, and you're like, "What? You're gonna drop that in in the second last film?" <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so what's well, he just doing? Famous religion by comparing to Harry Potter. Oh, it's the same thing, same archetypes, isn't it? Pretty it's much, like, Harry Potter. Yeah, it's just stuff Jesus It's fucking legit. It's like a collection of things. But I didn't realize there was a, there was another person in the Garden of Eden. That's yeah. fucking cool. Um, I mean, there wasn't because no one was there really. But... What do you mean? Whoa! <laughs> you're, telling, you're telling me religion's not a accurate scientific depiction. <laughs> ah, you're, telling me, you're telling me Genesis isn't literal. 
I listen to four Sam Harris videos and I know how the universe works now. <laughs> talking, <laughs> talking snake. <laughs> Sam Harris is fucking talking snake. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to Sam, if you listen to this, I'm calling you out. <laughs> yeah, so I actually let, love Sam Harris. Please don't beat me up. Yeah, so he's, he's a good geezer. He's, he's pretty good he's, he's already heard this and he's flying on his own self-righteousness he's just, just getting, like hovering over the ocean no, he's just giving a year free subscription to his waking up mindfulness app so he's yeah, not, so not going to be happy that I've been dissing him like low key what, what, do, you mean, what do you mean he gave you, you you're he gave me his, personally his company, but I, yeah, I, yeah. I emailed him well, and he got yeah, back to me he said Kieran I'm a big fan but yeah you're going to sit down and he's going to go I just want you to shut your eyes I hear him talking shit Kieran I want you to Think about the worst things that ever happened to you. <laughs> and you try and stop meditating, you're locked in. Like, fucking, like that guy in, um, uh, what's that terrible film? He's sweating and he's seeing his kids, uh, Interstellar. And he's just like, oh, oh, oh. You see Sam, that's Sam Harris's voice gets aged. Yeah, you go. Matthew McConaughey in a black hole. Yeah, literally. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey, you get fucking destroyed by Ham Saris. You were talking about misogyny, we got sidetracked. Go yeah, on, um, we got some energy in the room now. We talked about oh. Sam Harris being a snake. Um, yeah, so a lot of this comes from... Uh, so this kind of metaphysics and ontology um, comes from, as well as the Abrahamic traditions, it comes from the Greek philosophy that was picked up by people like Aquinas. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of overly rational, if that's a phrase you can use, uh, reductionist then, idea of what animals were. Um, what did he think they were? Just fucking nothing. And of course, at this point... <laughs> so that farmer, he thinks they made a string. <laughs> you know that... You know that... But so the fashion is they go on the fox hunt and it's like, oh, they don't feel nothing. They just get pulled apart and they're like, I made a string. <laughs> it's like just going to about fox hunting. It, yeah, it's, well, what I mean is like a hierarchical um, placement of them at the very... At the very very bottom, they actually, they actually drew like fucking lists and things. That's pretty cool. And Christianity adopted this, but also um, this echoed like a massive uh, shift, cultural shift from having wilderness be the revered mystical place to having it, all of its mysticism stripped and Orders, pushed though. into the order of civilization, and the church became the center, which is very different. If you go to Japan. Um, you get those folk religions. You get you can walk out for miles and miles and miles and then find a fucking old tree, and that is the centre yeah. of their religion, which is, is something we've lost. I think. But is that not just like because they couldn't keep buildings up? Pretty much. Yeah, it's basically well, no, like, it's like I, your religion just adapts to the scenarios. So like they can, yeah, of course, they can does. smack up a cathedral because then it'd be too many Godzillas. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> Godzilla just loves chewing on fucking monasteries. But I think one of the fundamental differences is so paganism thinks that there's something innately spiritual and innately good about good nature, in, yeah. in animals and nature, whilst Christianity animals are basically just a con a conduit. But isn't isn't that just the the whole noble savage stupid idea? Where it's like oh yeah, is that another young archetype? No, it's um, it's I don't know who he is. I think it's post the postmodern. Yeah, it's a postmodernist idea, yeah, like like seventies. Noble savage. Yeah, where it's like where it's like um, if we didn't have civilization, if mankind weren't there, we'd all just be living in harmony. Yeah, it's yeah. and it's nature. like uh, and, oh. and, and they disproved this by just basically going to Ireland. There's like that massive fucking like island where they were just like 
kill like one out of like five people and they went like oh yeah we, we human beings have done horrible things because we do you mean like the, 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 ant, the antenatalist stuff you see on Facebook when people are like humans are a horrible species yeah, yeah that sort of stuff yeah. it's, it's, it's like, like you're a human you fucking idiot what do you it's, mean it's that idea where there's, there's those people who think they're like uh, where I, I think I, I read it in Stephen Pinker's The Blank Slate and it was like right. talking about how it's sort of like the, the, the blank slate the tabula rasa thing like we are just like completely whatever we could be as programmed by society and if we didn't have a society we'd all just be like you know chilling out and happy despite the fact every civilization they come across like it just does like basically the opposite and like murder rate and like, war rate goes up through mm. the fucking roof I think um, a lot of people kind of romanticise the idea of what nature actually is 100% and I think yeah. this whole sort of David Attenborough work, like you mentioned earlier that sort of culture of oh you yeah. know look at nature and don't get me wrong nature has so much potential for beauty but it has so much potential for devastation destruction too and the thing is people seem to forget that the things that we have provided for ourselves as a species are actually very good and they've led to us thriving as a species I think it's very interesting that people seem to treat us as not being animals they talk about humans like we're kind of separate from animals like animals are as good well we're machines yeah yeah I agree and disagree there's yeah there's there's Pros and cons to sorry just to nature. my quads. Games. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I completely agree with that, Kieran. I think a, a lot of, particularly in Britain, where we are pretty much top of the chain, we have very few natural disasters in this country, and we also have, you know, very few animals and insects that can kill us. Effectively. And people, people who are, you know, exposed to these. So from Brexit. <laughs> 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 Yeah, so there's there's danger and think, stuff in in nature, but I I think we're so far fucking removed. Like we don't come in, we come into contact. I think people who go like, oh, is nature wonderful? Or people who don't know anything about, about nature, nature they, yes. have, they have not yeah. been exposed to it at all, and it, they live in like a city, and they have they're too institutionalized. And, and their, their experience of nature is through documentaries, is through like, oh, we, yeah, we'll get onto a lot books. of these ideas. And there, it's just but, it's yeah. like the more you're immersed in it, you realize, oh yeah, we are still. An animal. We are not above all this. No, and if and I, it's I like, just want to tie it back because this what you're all talking about is linked right back into the Jungian archetype thing with nature being associated mythologically with chaos. Because that is because nature is associated with chaos for very good reason. Because nature is the weather changing suddenly and blowing your house down. Yes. Yeah, it's that sure. it's stepping on a pro- it's, it's, branch yeah, and getting a, a f- infection in your foot and just dying of an infection. There's, there's that John you Paul Sartre. There's that nausea thing where it's like his big freak out is. The realization that all of this civilization, if people stop keeping it up, will just be devoured by nature. And he like sort of goes across a street, and it hasn't been the house hasn't been sort of looked after, and it's just been completely overgrown. It's this idea that we're just like in the middle of this just thing that it's not like an evil, but it just has no regard for us. There's no moral regard. Yeah, of course. And it yeah, but it's overtake us if yeah, we don't constantly maintain the civilization. Yeah. I mean, yeah, so... Then it's weird to be like, oh, maybe we should, like, help that out. Yeah, the whole the whole socks and sandals mentality, yeah, of, you know, fucking yeah, yeah. all nature is great. But I think we can... We have that's to unpack this, we have to unpack like this a little bit because we're sort of lumping in fluffy animals with hurricanes and talking and that, about still, it all still, broad, It's all nature, broadly. Right? Yeah, sure, but uh, like you said, we're nature. So if we're going to make any sense of the term... We kind of have to separate between ideas like nature, wilderness, and yeah. um, hurricanes and fluffy rabbits. Yeah, there's there's keeping there's keeping harmful elements at bay, which are not. I mean, yeah, are we saying that diseases are nature? Yeah, probably. Yeah, so then we have to kind of narrow conceptually a lot of things down. 
Um, Should we talk about zoos? Well, just to, whilst we're on the uh, negative historical stuff, you ever heard of something called fox tossing? Oh, no! Is, I imagine. Is that, what, is that what those Eaton boys do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's, that's how you get into it. David Cameron's hazing initiation ceremonies. <laughs> You don't toss Wait, off Cameron, come that toss was, this that fox. Was a, that was a pig, mate. <laughs> <laughs> right, I imagine he smells like hot, like hot fox cum. <laughs> you, you get a little bit too close, he's still got it in his hands. <laughs> smells like a bacon sarnie. <laughs> <laughs> well, what is it, though? It's, um, it's where Frank. a bunch of posh people in the 17th century... Basically, no, they don't use the. Stop using visual comedy. So I'm, I'm, I, I, I didn't want to speak over you, but I also want yeah, to yeah, get yeah. this idea of throwing a fox in the air and shotgunning it. No, it's not, it's not a clay pigeon. Well, that'd be so, in the face. That'd be so rude. It's not a clay pigeon, it's a fox. That makes yeah. it worse. Well, it, it is, it is, it, it is basically similar. So um, a bunch of posh people in a estate will basically have a load of blankets in a, an enclosed space lowered space so the foxes can't escape they'll release several foxes and everybody will stand around with blankets and pull the blankets when a fox goes over a loose blanket and they'll pull it tight so that the fox gets trampolined up into the air and everyone thought this was like the most fucking it, you see a couple of pictures of it you, you do sort of go huh but <laughs> <laughs> but the, the fact that like they were laughing at specifically according Laughing to accounts animals. the animals actually being injured and when people the, the animals would often they do it with badgers and other animals as well but the animals would often kind of fight back and people would get their hands cut over they get tetanus and shit Long. and all for the you know it's all it's a sport it's nothing to do back then really in the 17th century yeah, wake up get the bubonic plague die a horrible and painful death we've got to we've got to call a nine there because it's like Think about how much damage a fox would actually do. It's yeah. like it, it's it's like you would fucking hate fox. I was going to talk to you about the badgers. We like, oh, actually, fuck badgers. It'd be like one of those things where I imagine back back in the day they'd be like, oh, we actually fucking hate foxes. They come in there and they just like decimate our chickens. And we kind of just like my chickens. <laughs> I, I think there's 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 a couple of interesting points that you can pick up there though because I think first thing is that you've got this kind of detachment. Um, on both ends of the spectrum, you've got the people who are fox tossing or whatever it's called, who are clearly very detached from the idea that foxes are a species just like humans and that they are. Yeah, they aren't. They're, you know, they're, they're the ontological distinction from. Right, precisely. Yeah. On the other side of the fence, you've also got these people who are completely out of tree huggers, um, like my mother, who is very, very kind of dispossessed with the whole human race as a, as a whole and, and is. On the opposite side of the spectrum, the kind of person that cries when a dog dies in a film, but doesn't, but cheers when the the, the humans get killed. You've got this kind of odd sort of. Yeah, it, 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 I was it, watching it, Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> loving life. Yeah, yeah, it, no, that that it really is odd. Like people who hate humans and, and love self hatred. Animals, yeah. But, but yeah, but you've got the you've got both sides of the spectrum, and I mm. think both are equally quite bizarre. And it's trying to find yeah. that middle ground, and I don't really know what the right solution is there. But also, yeah, this was basically what I was trying to look out with my yeah. dissertation. I never truly got onto it though because I, I got bogged down with the historical stuff. So yeah, it'd be it'd be good to unpack some of that. No. I think what Sam said though as well, I think some of the resentment, I mean, perhaps not an excuse for playing games with animal lives, but I think some of the resentment towards foxes. So 
Um, so dad, dad and mum obviously have got like a small holding and they, they keep a lot of chickens and the carnage that foxes can, and I'm sure Nye's probably seen it as well but the carnage that a fox can wreck on livestock is savage they will behead the chickens and what they usually do is they won't come back the next day to eat the corpses they've left because the humans will come up investigate and the scent will be on it so to the kind of untrained eye foxes just look like these mindless killers that decapitate chickens and then bugger off yeah that is where perhaps some of this hatred could have stemmed from that's yeah that's Poss- yeah. yeah probably yeah um and it's like yeah at that point you and also it's like it's a bigger deal back then like those yeah. chickens would be like the chickens for the yeah of course Poss- and, and, and you you couldn't just like you'd have to like then go find some other eggs find some other chicks raise those yeah. for how many years so it's like well, a lot of, the, a lot of these people the were very gentrified and they probably had the means to get by. But anyway, you mentioned two things that were interesting. Well, you mentioned a lot of those, but um, the deontological distinction and the, you, said, you said the untrained eye. Yeah. So I think um, both those things have shifted in the last kind of 500 years, which um, manages us to move away from things like cock fighting and goat throwing and all the other examples of things um, go through only boring people moved away from that look. <laughs> trout licking trout licking there's octopus wrestling <laughs> so yeah you long home boys and, are and a different spider thing I think I think humans just just try and make every animal fight <laughs> like, yeah well there's like, the, 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 that's, that's scorpion versus you name, tarantula yeah, thing you name an animal <laughs> yeah, and, it, it just, great. And, they, and they would just do it in like Morocco they, yeah. would, they wouldn't have but, chickens to fight they'd just fight but, scorpions yeah, this, tarantulas this ontological thing I think shifted after Darwinism kind of yeah. set in because we realised there wasn't this big metaphysical distinction that we weren't mandated to protect these lower beings or you know control them, them control them and look after them they're literally just a product of the ecosystem like us product of natural selection and I think uh, the, the whole untrained eye thing also uh, factors into it you said because um I think a lot of, but well, you can actually track the idea of pets, the practice of keeping pets, with the burgeoning interest in natural history in the Victorian era. Both of those things coincided. The more people learned about animals, the more they were compassionate towards them. I think there's a strong correlation between those two things. So I think basically the reason we've adopted a this kind of Attenborough-esque view that we have now is because of education and the massive blow to the, the metaphysical and ontological ideas of Christianity. Not that I think, and this is something I went out of my way in my dissertation to highlight, not that Christianity is fucking awful towards animals. Um, that's the, the chauvinistic idea is really isolated into just a, a few niches and things. It's That's like the worst example possible of what Christianity can be. Most of it is is pretty good, but I I kind of take qualms with the the idea that we only like animals because it's mandated to us by the divine. Yeah, that like animals can just be intrinsically kind of good to look at, and we'll get into what that means as well. Yeah, did did you did you pick up on any passages that did shed animals in a favourable light? Well, yeah, there were a few. So um, God uses a donkey to talk. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, Donkey but, carries Jesus all the way and Mary. And yeah, and but these things aren't good in their own right. They're good because they're serving a greater purpose. It's a tool. Yeah, they're literally just tools. And utilitarianism. That, yeah, exactly. It's very utilitarian, and 
yeah, I just I think that's not that's not the best example of animal. It should be admired and respected for being a thing. Yeah, I. But then, obviously, what about, what about Disney using animals as yeah? I just don't know. I just mean using them as like the ultimate nice thing, isn't it? So it's mm. like back in... Yeah, they get a lot of children unrealistic expectations of the good yeah, animals. That, that, was, that was the point. Where you, just, you, you, put, you put human characteristics on to animals and just be like... Yeah. And then suddenly that's like nicer and more approachable. Yeah, actually, anthropomorphism yeah, of yeah. the animals. Yeah, yeah, David Attenborough does it a lot. The language he uses... You, I made fun of it in the Blade Runner podcast. We were talking about... I don't know how the fuck we got into that, but we were talking about... Um, the fact that David Attenborough constantly talks about animals as if they're like dating, and I, it, yes, I think it's, not, it's a nice, it's, just... it's a nice tool to use, and I, I think it well, does it makes you, it helps people relate. It's it's it, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, that's all it is. And I, if you take it as that, perfect. That's storytelling. Yeah, and it just goes, oh, the, the praying mantis there. You know when you've had a bad day and you eat your fucking husband's face. <laughs> 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 oh, this, this mother, this mother tarantula is so lovely. She decides to let her children eat her alive. <laughs> yeah, there's no nice. emotion. There's, he's just telling you the facts. He's not putting his personal opinion. He's showing you that's what's happening. The but tarantula I, is killing the other tarantula yeah. and eating the father. But I don't think laying eggs in its brain. Yeah, I, I don't think it's meant to be nice. <laughs> I think it's just meant it's to be interesting. It's just and, a thing, yeah. And I, I think there's a natural, there's an innate interest, interestingness to it. You know, I, I think it's it's a good thing to watch. It doesn't have to be nice or bad because morality doesn't really come into it because it's animals. Yeah. But I don't know the amphibolization of it. It's just go like, oh, that... Like yeah, cheat is a cuddling. Well, it's, <laughs> it's like, and it gets, to be fair, he doesn't just do that. He does. He does talk about other things. And like people, will, just, a lot of people who are into nature will watch like storm documentaries and things as well. And you know, I think the, the Planet Earth live things. Uh, not the live. The live is a shit. The Planet Earth mm. is a fucking amazing series. It's the best series BBC have ever done. So good. They are fantastic. But I think that the problem is it's not the fact that David Attenborough is using these methods as like to storytell because David Attenborough is a smart guy. He's studied wildlife for Christ knows how long. He can tell the difference. He understands what he's doing. It's the people that don't make that distinction and they instantly kind of interpret it as this sort of romanticised idea of animals just being wonderful, just being magical. And you will get those idiots that push the bar too far, that try and bloody climb over the fence at the zoo, that try and get close to lions on safaris because they remember all the positives they saw in this sort of Hollywood edited yeah. sort of I, I, show I, 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 don't know. I, I don't know Brian no one's, no one's climbing out of a jeep going oh look it's Simba so there's well, something in the core of you just goes oh yeah we don't go near that people pissing around with circus animals all sorts and I'm not saying that David Attenborough is solely responsible for it but is, I think David Attenborough is a bear bait yeah I think it's this widespread sort of um, disassociation with just how dangerous animals and nature can actually be yeah um yeah okay so but I, I so I saw a post on Facebook and there was a guy and a woman with a tiger in their house and it, it was like their pet yeah now, I imagine yeah but that, I don't want to that, that, that's a predator you yeah I don't want, yeah that's don't, this is what everyone that's this that's is what horrible. everyone was saying um, but I imagine they were probably um, breeders or maybe it couldn't live in the wild or there was probably some reason why they had a fucking tiger other than they were rich enough to afford one. <laughs> It, it was probably they were probably I don't know there's there probably some kind of reason but a lot of people were jumping on the bandwagon oh it's a predator now some of the some of the people Texas. were a little bit more cynical like yourselves they were like okay this is a fucking predator get away from it some of the other people were like 
no, this is an incredible creature, don't cage it. Well, but that, 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 was, that was my point. That was, I wasn't yeah, saying, I wasn't saying this is a protegory. I was saying an animal like that whose entire like millennia of genetics and that evolution has been designed to like be a hunter mm-hmm. it's a horrible thing to have that well I mean tigers don't it, eat each like, other if you know enough about animal psychology you could probably keep one safe if, if you act like a fucking tiger I don't know maybe maybe studying it I don't know, it, maybe, I don't know bro there's, there's been some crazy maybe he's studying it maybe it's not safe in the world maybe it's raised in captivity maybe there's nowhere for it to go maybe it's breeding maybe it's not healthy I don't know have you seen those polar bears that eat their own cubs? Like there's there's a mad like uh, study about polar bear cannibalism, where they just go, oh yeah, here's a dependable source of nutrients, so they just eat like their cubs and they eat other people, and it's just <laughs> they don't see things in the in the there's there's, 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 yeah, there's not you don't there's, see that on a glacier. There's n- yeah, there's not there's not there's not like this. There's not like we always think because we because we can only think about things thinking the way that we think. And that's, I know I said the word think about 16 times. Found statement. Yeah, bro. We can only think of things in the way that we think. Sam Lusted. Are you fucking, fuck you. That's the first thing you said in about an hour. It's just rinsing him. It's because that's the first truly profound thing that's been said. It's like, we have to anthropomorphize, I can't find it, anthropomorphize everything. So it's just like, we can't just go, oh yeah, polar bear will go, oh, I'm hungry. I'm pretty hungry. All my cubs there. That's food. I'm gonna yeah. eat. I, I think, I'm gonna I eat think that to an extent, cup. to an extent, we can though. And like, there are ways into that. Like, I, no, we're not really actually. There are ways. There are ways to start to empathise with other creatures. You know, but even like a spider, you can say the spider's just impulse. Yeah, I know. I, just, just I like know, but stimulus like, reaction. Not just as a just as a. You know, a way of explaining it. You could say, "Oh, they feel pain or whatever." Even though it's probably just reaction to stimuli, we don't know. But do they feel pain then? Well, exactly, do but they we have this neuron. It, it's just it. a useful. Kind of, it's it's more of an analogy than anything else. Yeah. Then how does that? How is that helpful? If you say dandelions feel pain, but doesn't actually have the, like the well, uh, the, uh, the central nervous system. Where do you draw the line? So, it doesn't actually feel pain. You, so, you're, you're, yeah. you're literally saying that there's like. You're literally saying this thing, which doesn't feel any of the things that we're going to say that it does, feels these things because we feel these things. So that you're, well, you're, you're, so you're giving it so many yeah. qualities. Is this Daddy Longlegs trapped in the window? Is it a sad Daddy Longlegs? No, but, I, or is it just I, I totally like, get that. But impulse like, I do, response, I do think, failure. Impulse response. I do failure. think projecting in that way is useful. So we were saying the other day that um, that, uh, that rationalist idea between Christianity and now we had this surgeons of rationalism and. and People like Descartes thought that animals were just automata; they were just things, objects. Now he 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 basically said shit like, "When you close a door, it squeaks. That's the same as when you tread on a cat. It it makes it." <laughs> 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 That's so good. I love it. That. Just it just makes a noise. My my I. Yeah, you know, objection to that. Uh, many objections. Well, my missus. Makes a bloody noise, doesn't it? <laughs> she makes noise when I slam her trill in the door. My my objection to that is he, even if it was, why is, would you is, want is, to do is, that? Isn't he technically right that we are just machines? We just it's like he just couldn't. Yeah. He just didn't know. He, he was talking how about consciousness specifically. Yeah, he was. So he was yeah. saying they're not conscious. So I, I, they, don't, they don't have consciousness. I'd, I'd like yeah. to just go back to something some some said, and and this isn't my view. I just think it's a really interesting. Point. No, the, the point is, why do that anyway? Where do you Both, draw? Yeah. Where do you draw the? And I'm not saying because I I know the answer to this. It's it's a genuinely interesting thing I've thought about a lot. Where do you draw the line on what is classed as like being 
a uh, a living thing that is of value, and where do we mm. where do we stop that? Because people seem to okay. So take for it like if a cat walks into this room and you don't want it to be here, right? You're not going to boot that cat in the head and stamp it into the ground, are you? Unless you're a psychic, I mean, no, mate, but, uh, <laughs> but, but you're not going to necessarily do that. If a fly comes in here, yeah, you're yes, not yeah, going to think gonna twice about it. Yeah, this yeah. is interesting because obviously bush trucker trials and stuff, and I'm a celebrity getting me out of here. Yeah, no one yeah. no gives a fuck about Precisely. eating bugs, live bugs. And, and I think even more interesting is because I, I don't know if this is credible, but I have read that um, uh, there was a study done that has shown that plants actually respond to being bitten and eaten, which mm. in a sense yeah, can be interpreted. Yeah, this feeling pain. Pain. Yeah. So where do you draw that line? And I don't yeah. know the answer to that. Have, have, just... you, have you seen this thing about plant communication? We'll, we'll get yeah. on to that. You're going to talk about mushrooms. No, no I was going to talk about that. We're going to talk no, about DMT. We're going to talk about mushroom <laughs> communication, but there's, there's also like plants also share nutrients between other plants. So they'll be like a tree network and they'll realise one tree has less nutrients. Like that film Avatar. Ends, mate. It's fucking mad. <laughs> fucking ends, mate. Yeah, it's, it's, it's also, these trees What happens if we go... Our trees just perceive the world 100 million times slower and they feel pain. Yeah. And it cut to man with chainsaw. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, yeah, that's like a thing. We don't, we, we, we don't understand our own consciousness. How the fuck can we understand the consciousness of a tree? Well, I, I would it's... say you start by saying, well, what similar qualities do you think that certain creatures have that yeah. we know are mechanisms which create most of the ways in which we um, yeah, but... have phenomenological experiences, like pain, which is derived from a nervous system? Yeah, so um, so we, we can have clues as to like at least what kind of phenomenological experiences certain things are having based on the fact that if something doesn't have eyes, it's not having the experience of seeing. If something doesn't have a nervous system, then it at least have then the... it's, it's reality. You know, even if there is some sort of uh, conscious experience going on in some sense, it's like that does not necessarily relate in the same way it would to us in but terms of like suffering. But, uh, and right, so it's, so like, it's, like, it's like the Daniel Lawrence things. That you use, like, not that you would do this because this is an actual thing you do if you're a fucking psychopath. You pull a leg of oh, Daniel Lawrence, just... But I I think it's useful to adopt this idea, even with what we might pass as semi-sentient nature or whatever, so like trees and things. Like, I think it's useful to think of them as living things as well. And to, well, they are living things. They're things, living yeah. things, but they're not sentient. Yeah, they're not conscious. The right. the but why does that matter? Yeah, precisely. Why is that like the flip thing where it's like Daddy Long is being saying, oh, a tree is not sentient? Fuck that. It's like. Well, yeah, value, so yeah. you could say, well, they're still valuable because you could say, well, life either life has inherent value, blah 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 blah, or we could say, well, it has value because certain aspects of pr- preserving biodiversity, etc., are valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, but in t- purely making an ethical argument as to whether something, you know, it's right or wrong to cut a tree down, um, in terms of talking about it, in terms of like inflicting suffering upon. Uh, an agent. I don't. I don't necessarily think that. I think you can make a fairly good argument based on the fact that if something is sentient or not, you can at least infer something about perhaps whether this thing is capable of going through suffering. And you can't yes. say that for sure. Yeah. But that's a start. So we can say that at least cutting a tree down is probably not inflicting the same kind of suffering that killing a dog would. And, we, and I think most people would agree but that but that's just totally it's different. not the same doesn't mean they're not equally bad. And this is the problem. Just because they're not directly comparable doesn't mean that they're both still a shared experience to a degree. So a leaf dies and a human dies. doesn't mean that a leaf may experience death the same way a human would. That They've both yeah. experienced it, and it's still something that happens to both of those things. So it's like, what... 
you're kind of yeah, what, that what appeals to a much more transcendent view. Yes, yeah, so like, you're, you're, like you're, you're like a view. Yeah, you're, you're now coming. This is getting a bit yeah. Asian now. Yeah, you're now, you're now yeah. coming what's, out of the human experience and looking down on it objectively, which I think is right. a very strange thing to do with ethics, considering well, we are. It's not I my view. It's just a curious point that I have thought of before. Yeah, no, it's like, what basis do we form that kind of this is good, that's not as good? It's like, okay, we'll go with this one. That one's actually... where. How are we making that decision? Because I genuinely don't know. I think the ethical Let's, line is yeah. drawn based on societal changes over tens, hundreds of thousands of years. Think of animals that are useful to us. Like dogs. Ca- like cats. You're not going yeah. to stamp on a cat because the cat kept yeah. your mice out of your grain for like 10,000 years. Yeah, yeah. so instinctually... I, I, I think it all just goes back to utilitarianism. Yeah, yeah. But again, why, why, why do people still in this country... Why do most... Not, not most, but why do some people... You'd think, oh, it's an irrational fear of house spiders or so because it stems from when we used to live in tropical... When people still live in tropical conditions when if a spider enters your hut and bites your child, your child can die. Yeah. That's why people are still afraid of spiders, effectively. Yeah, uh, also, most people would think someone's not whacking it with a shoe. It has, it's very, dog. very non-human looking. Very unpredictable yeah, 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 yeah. movement. Very, yeah. So yeah, a lot, of the, a lot of this is obviously rooted in empathy. And, but a lot, for a lot of periods of history, this empathy just didn't and couldn't extend to animals because of, we didn't yet know that they were on the same level as us, that they, were, that they could even be that. We were told what their place was. They were lower than us. We were higher. And that was never truly challenged, not in a, any kind of conclusive way, until secularism came along and science came along. Right, and I, I would say that you know, certain empirical methods can at least give us some indications as to what it, what potentially certain things are internally experiencing. And that's why I would say there is a definitely a distinction between something that would potentially have a nervous system and something that doesn't. Yeah. Um, and why you can say. Well, and you know, in the day, that isn't necessarily saying anything about the internal conscious experience, even if there is one of of something like that. That's a different argument. But the the point is, when we're talking purely about inflicting suffering on things, like if I break my thermostat, I don't think it suffers pain because I don't, you know, I don't think that it's capable of suffering any form of pain or having that kind of experience. And I think the same thing is true of of microbes. I don't think microbes feel pain. Yeah. And I think you can you can build How up do you that. Know? Prove my, it. My, my my query is the distinction query. between positive or or like this right. inferred idea of positive and this inferred idea of negative. Mm. It's not the distinction per se. It's the connotation we add to that distinction afterwards that's the really interesting point. I think. Of course, there's a distinction between the two. It's like what you deduce from that as being, that's good, that's bad, that's not so good. That is a priority. That is not as much of a priority. So yeah. in terms of how we are valuing... Yeah, I think that's what's interesting. And I, I genuinely right. don't know. It's just, it's yeah. stumped me for a long time, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it, I still it, don't know. It, yeah, it's what constitutes... So I, I think... I'm throwing a lot of disclaimers out Descript- Descriptively, we can say that animals have become subjects while they, they were in the past objects. But yeah, characterising why that change has occurred... Exactly. What? What? You know. What gives something the, the status of an ethical subject is. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I, I don't also think that that's necessarily the case across all cultures, and that's really the case across. No, of course. I, yeah. I mean, I'm looking at Western. Yeah, yeah. of course. Because, like, like you said, you know, perhaps that is, you know, a, a, an artifact primarily of, of things like Christianity or whatever. But yeah, um, I mean, that's a general. Yeah, that's a general. Like, yeah, like anyway, you said, yeah. I mean, like you would mention, like paganism or whatever already has a lot of that inbuilt. Um, 
inbuilt respect for certain things and you know like mm. like in, in Hindu cultures where they're just like you know they, cows are sacred and certain elements of nature are completely sacred um, but yeah the cows, yeah. Are, cows aren't sacred because it's a, another god shows them I think cows literally are just sacred in Hinduism which is interesting because Christianity doesn't get that it never gets that um, I love it's because Christianity is very like um it is very utilitarian, though, isn't it? it? It's just like with the way it works. I don't think it is relational. Like everything is sort of put off onto the divine. Yeah. I think there's nothing inherently affirmed about the goodness of humanity. I think. So it's, 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 that's probably an overly bleak way of looking at Christianity. Christianity. I don't know. I think there's like the original, the original sin is like the thing yeah. we're always supposed to be making. Well, it, yeah, it, it, it's premised on a very negative idea. It it sets out. You're not good enough. You yeah. need to be better than people before you and um, who you were yeah but, but before we get to the idea of um, why we classify animals in certain ways and things and whether they have suffering because that's basically what a lot of our ethics is built on and take inspiration from people like John Stuart Mill and try to ground whether things could suffer and that can be the basis of our ethics I think if something feels like it's alive it's probably just not a good idea to, to attack it and I, I even give that to inanimate objects like I think there's a personal barrier first this existential relationship with yourself don't fucking get angry and smack the shit out of things especially if they you know have four legs and two eyes like whether whether they can feel or not you know whether they can technically feel that's it just because they can't technically feel if that's what you think that's still not a good right, there's psychological reasons why yes. it's not yes. necessarily a healthy thing to moralise if not kicking yeah. things yeah <laughs> yeah I'm kicking things Cryptids are things that are kind of on the edge of oh, culture. Like yeah, like Bigfoot. Ah, okay, I got what you mean though, yeah. Yeah, and so like Loch Ness Monster, Bigfoot, and the fucking Bodmin Beast, yeah. and all these things. And I, I think, yeah, the, the idea... Forest Panther. Yeah, what? The fu- there's a, the, People thought there was a... Pop- oh, the Forest of Dean. Yeah, because people don't know the difference between perspective and a giant cat. I saw a cat sitting on the yeah. loop screen, and they're like, fuck you! Yeah. I think that's part of an attempt to sort of mysticise the, the Forest, world, basically, yeah. the, the wilderness, and the idea that there are still things and things out there that are undiscovered. Well, there are, there are, 100%. It's like, people thought giant squid were like a complete myth. Mm. And then, like, a uh, Japanese fisherman just kept getting them in the nets. And like, whoa, that's pretty fucking mental. Yeah. What's the what's the one that's... The, the, I mean, some of the things in... The, the examples in Britain aren't that particularly interesting. They're all just, like, big boars, big panthers. Mm. I think that's probably to do with the fact that we have no megafauna. Like, we don't have fucking giant sloths anymore, so... Yeah. Just say sloth or sloth. Uh, sloth. 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 Yeah. But then I say someone's being slothful. So it's like you, you mix it up. Okay. Syntax error. Yeah, actually, I, yeah. When yeah. I talk about the sin, I tend to say sloth. Yeah. So I, when I, I talk about the animal, it's sloth. I would say I would yeah. say it's a sloth in a tree, and it was like behaving with sloth. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Right. Yeah, it's a, it's a little. Yeah. So it's like drop bears in Australia, whatever like those. Yeah. So yeah. What? We don't. We don't have heard of the drop bear. No. It was like this fucking legit bear that would drop out of a tree and maul you to death. Sick. Yeah. And um, there's, no, like, loads, into there's like loads of um, stories about it, and they found like a skeleton in a cave of like basically just a big koala bear 
the eight people that <laughs> <laughs> just drop out of a tree to eat you. That's sick. And there's loads of like, Aboriginal tales about like the drop bear and stuff. It's pretty cool. Pretty awesome name as well. I think earlier on, actually, you, you mentioned something about um, the only animals we see are representations. Like, you, well, yeah, you, you mentioned, you mentioned Disney. Or pets. It's like, yeah. all, all, all the representations we get are David Attenborough saying, oh, look at those cheetahs cuddling. And then, like, fucking Baloo the bear. Yeah, so, so this idea that um, there's, like, a physical barrier between us and wilderness. Yeah, 100%. Um, although I don't think the idea of wilderness is, like... 100% legit. I don't think there's any area of the world that's genuinely wild, genuinely untouched. I, I don't know. There's, there's bits of like there's bits of like the Amazon, like. Well, if you, if you, if you factor in things like climate it. change, there's nothing that hasn't like if if you divert a river, it'll affect the ecosystem further down. Like there's. Well, yeah. I mean, what you're talking about now is sort of like uh, what's called the Anthropocene, or um, which which is you know a lot of the era of humans. Basic, yeah, basically the era of geological history, which is most related to when humans have kind of started to have a major effect on it hysteresis is, is when you change something yeah. you're not necessarily going to know what happens so it's this idea of I know this is a little bit of a tangent here yeah, but um, noise gates yeah, but hysteresis is the idea that so say for example because everyone right now is pushing the, uh, the, the agenda that we need to cut reduce carbon emissions we can't say for certain that everyone instantly stopping reducing carbon emissions is actually a good thing because it'll be such a sudden change it could have a million and one different knock-on effects ecologically you mean yeah yeah, yeah. massively it's and, and that's and that's yeah that's what hysteresis is um, but just yeah but yeah, yeah. got it in there oh. hi mum <laughs> <laughs> anyway um I think, I think your mum stopped watching after you said she was a xenophobic animal loving <laughs> fucking murderer well she's still listening she wait and see if I talk some more shit <laughs> Read any Boudrillard? Sea World. That's a cool name, though. Uh, Boudrillard came up with this idea of the simulacra, which is an even cooler term. Mm. Not that Boudrillard is a term at first, but okay. The the simulacra is basically the idea that uh, the representations of things are more common than the things themselves. So our experience with. And and essentially, they become the thing as far as all intents and purposes are concerned. Yeah. So, So like. Sorry, so like, just so I understand, so like cliches of stuff, like the the things that are completely overplayed, we begin to accept in our head, that's exactly what that is, and when you actually start to learn what the real truth behind it is, you're like, oh shit, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, similarly, uh, I mean, when Bergerard uses it, he's more talking about the reality, what, reality, Um, it was a big influence on things like The Matrix. Is it similar? Yeah, I think I've recently heard a dude who talks about, it was Ham Saris, the guy who was on... He was on that Ham Saris podcast recently. He was like the big dude behind the simulation theory. I think he mentioned this similarity. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he started talking about like if you if you as a civilization start creating, um, you start creating like simulations. Suddenly, there's basically with any sort of degree of uh, progression intelligence, there's there's going to be more simulations than there are going to be original people yeah so I don't know if that is that sort of I think he yeah, yeah. so it fundamentally it fundamentally transforms the idea of what animals are what our relationship with them just focusing on the animal aspect of it um, like there are a lot of animals I've only ever seen in terms of taxidermy you know lifeless formless and um, I think that's that's the fuck yeah yeah particularly interesting dynamic yeah um, especially extinct animals they, like they literally just exist in wax and shit and, and just old footage and stuff 
And there's this very interesting idea that um, animals have to be seen to be real. Yeah. Um, even it, so, in my dissertation, I draw a dichotomy between uh, stuff like fox hunting, horse racing, and the older stuff like fo- mentioned fox tossing, uh, cock throwing, and f- fucking badger baiting, stuff like that. But all those things, because all those things involve the idea of sexual not- innuendo. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but um, not so. Nature isn't good enough on it on its own terms in those ideas. It has to. You, we have to get in there. We have to be involved with what the animal is doing. We have to augment it, augment the situation. <laughs> you still talking in Indian? Wank the rat? Do you mean wanking? <laughs> Splat the rat. Is that Mitchell and Webb? Yes, yes. Make the rat. That, that was for Joe. That was for So Janger. Joe's not listening to this. Like well, he's, he's on after the podcast. <laughs> make, make the rat splat. It's just you jerking a rat. Fucking. Sorry, yeah, I, 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 I get what you mean. So it's like, yeah, yeah. So, so, the, so those old ideas are basically centered around um, changing an animal's behavior, and that is the entertainment. The animal's natural behavior isn't entertaining. Making it do something like stitching a chimpanzee on top of a bear and calling yeah, it yeah, calling yeah. the bear Wilfred Brown is, was apparently so funny. <laughs> it's pretty funny. <laughs> and then, and then, just getting a guy to run it through with a sword but, after all that. But I think, I think. Shit, plot twist. I think there's like, I think there's like people just love that. They go like, oh yeah, look what he's doing. He's doing a weird thing. He's like, so like with the with the fox uh, tossing, fox wanking, whatever it is. It's like yeah. I'm sure like all the enjoyment is from the fox going. What the fuck's going on? Yeah. And so it's just like we love we love things and other things yeah, confuse me. It's manipulating it's, it's a domination a situation. Thing. Yeah, concrete nature. Nature isn't good enough on its own terms. We we make the spe- the previously unentertaining spectacle become entertaining through our physical interaction for our immediate presence in the is, situation. Is that what David Abra's and the documentary team are doing there? They're videoing well, it in order to dominate the yeah. nature. So so I, I used a documentaries I as the ultimate like ultimate example as the opposite of that. But then you you as you unpack it you realise it's not. Like it's like the butterfly thing. It's like mm. collecting butterflies. It's like the ultimate idea of like. Yeah. Uh, so that I, like, I, I, what the Victorians did, where they just went out, shot a bear, and stuffed it, and go, "Here's the nature that yeah. we beat, I, that I, we contained." That I we had made. to pick up on that because oh, my my of. dad is a fucking prime example of that. So you, you and you have both seen my parents. Well, my your, your cage nightmares. My dad's yeah. So, so my dad keeps a lot of aviaries and he keeps a lot of birds. So he's got two barn owls. Um, he's got a whole whole load of like exotic birds. Um, uh, Who? Yeah, not just the wing kind. Oi, oi. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, most of them got arms missing. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Um, but yeah, no. Um, he obviously keeps them, and Mum and I have always like speculated for a long time that a it's kind of wrong. Um, I'm I'm not a big fan of it. Was we it we told him to stop. Um, but he genuinely has this like weird sort of control complex with it. Yeah, yeah. and it's this idea of kind of taking a bit of nature and managing it within your own little safe space and that's a bit of it that you can kind of yeah. manage and process and make your own it's yeah God it's, yeah I was yeah. just going to say yeah. the, idea yeah. of, Again. the idea of the untrimmed hedge being this horrible chaotic thing and you go in and it's no I don't know mate not that kind of <laughs> fan of a Brazilian uh, <laughs> 
Well, yeah, if you're not in control of it, then you start to fear. Yeah, that's 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 the whole John. That's the whole nausea thing with John Bosacci. He just starts freaking out, and he realizes that um, the bench that he's sitting on on the train is like just a, a, a part of nature as he is, and it's like that that idea of what he calls like the creeping realization of like the inevitability of nature. When no matter where you are, you could be any like he's looking at like a, a cityscape again, and it's just, and then he sees like weeds coming through the pavement. And you're like, oh fuck! Mm. You you can you can build all you want, and I think what was that film? I think it's in Fight Club. I, I mentioned Fight Club every fucking time. It's like it's like there's that thing where he talks about like a panoramic shot over New York City and like all the freeways are like covered in vines. Oh no, that's Iron like, Legend. It's, 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 it's an Iron Legend. They yeah, it's, 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 it's a beautiful, and it's in a lot of films. It's fantastic. And Day After Tomorrow as well, I think they have like some sort of end shot on 2012. Like it's like a lot of stuff where they show like that the ultimate fear that they put into the audience is like a city which is like Civilization being overtaken by yeah. nature. Well, even things like Jurassic World. Yeah, that's, yeah, a, that's, yeah. Fucking, that's literally what that is. Ju- Jurassic Park's a great example. I think Tolkien with the Ents um, basically yeah, washing out Isengard. It's it's been like this yeah. idea of horror and simultaneous Prince just Mano deserts too. for humankind yeah, for a well, long time. Well, Tolkien specifically hated analogy, famously. He so it's more a case of that's coding. That's he, he, it's just happenstance that he used those ideas. Well, or subliminally, or subconsciously yeah, without realising it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, or, or it's, because an he took, it's an archetype, um, isn't it? Um, yeah, and likely because he took so much inspiration from myth, which uses yeah. loads of me- metaphoric you know, imagery. I, I don't think it's really a mistake that, you know, Hobbiton is this place that's so peaceful and harmonious with nature, whilst Isengard is a fucking foundry where they're burning yeah, down fireballs. Yeah, uh, industrial city and and like evil is industrial. But like... you're based on Bristol. <laughs> I do. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> that's gonna change my. Bristol. Saruman and Lurt have fucking West Country accents. <laughs> <laughs> Find the Arflin. <laughs> no nonsense about Find the Arflin. Yeah. Gertlush pins. What about um... <laughs> And there's loads of meth where it's just like it's yeah it's it's, it's like that fucking it's like so hang on well, does that mean that I'm Sauron is just like, like the Clifton suspension bridge or something <laughs> basically <laughs> shit it's got dark really quickly pretty much well it's like yeah in, in all Tolkien stuff like industrialism is like another word for evil isn't it yeah and they always talk about like was it uh, I can't remember the, the original one the one where Morgoth is Tom like, Bombadil oh shit yeah Tom Bombadil it's literally fucking nature he's nature isn't it and there's like models just like fumes and steel and pumping out mm. foxes <laughs> the ultimate evil is just Saruman just ragging foxes <laughs> it's, him, it's him and Lurtz just tossing a fox hey, can we talk uh, about Princess Mononoke oh my god <laughs> when, when yeah. the forest spirit gets shot in the face <laughs> it's like yeah, literally sort of obviously Princess Mononoke that's more, maybe more into eastern stuff um, same sort of thing though isn't it yeah basically just wanted to mention one, that. one of my favourite animes it's very good yeah, I really like that but it's got um, it's got Billy Bob Thornton doing the voice for one of the characters in it. Oh, I didn't know. What? Yeah, you know the you know the he's monk, monk yeah. you know the monk yeah. who's like going oh oh oh, and doing loads of shady shit. It's Billy Bob Thornton. Yeah, man. Um, so yeah, there's this idea that you, uh, I, I guess animals aren't real unless they've been. I mean, this is this pervades everything. It's not just is that what animals. the series as well? It's like we're conquering nature by yeah. bringing it back. Like the idea that unless you record or take a photo or something. It didn't happen, and obviously that extends to animals too. So even with the the most like, harmonious and 
progressive examples. Take uh, what was it Country File? They have yeah, yeah. they have live videos, so you can watch a badger in its den. But I I think that's yeah that's that's because we're so removed. We don't. Yeah. I think it's like we don't know what a badger's like. We kind of we just mm. a bit know. So yeah, I, no, I think this is overall a positive thing. I, I I really encourage that kind of thing, like looking at. But I I the speculative side of me can't help but that's a kind of uh, voyeurism yeah it is voyeurism I yeah and and that it's it's like it's not just good enough to just leave these badges where they are if you if you truly respected nature this wouldn't that's, be that, that's, that's that's what we are as a species we're just like yeah. curious yeah. Right, so we'd be sat around just like digging out and sat and go hey this is alright yeah. so I'm, I'm alright with this I'm happy with this because I mentioned okay. to you and I about um well, and you mentioned to me about the the idea of like studying something and destroying it because it's you're so curious about it. I think it, it might actually be Boudreaux who who says this when he right. he talks about tribes. There was a tribe that a load of people went to study ethnographically to live among them, and guess what? They fucking wrecked their culture yeah. in studying the culture. So there was nothing left to study after they studied it. And you you and said archaeology, about, yeah, which yeah. is rife with examples where you know antiquated archaeologists would destroy you know very precious geological evidence in fossils because they didn't really know how to handle them back then they didn't really know exactly what they were I think I was actually talking to you about this the other day when we were talking about like Hemingway when he was on his boat and he was like saying he was like in love with like the way like the river systems work and he realised once he actually got good at sailing once he understood it it just completely ruined the beauty of it well, yeah. I think that's a lot of things. It's like the more we understand, we have this insatiable thirst to understand things. But the more we do, we're like, oh, it's kind of ruined it. Yeah, it's yeah. just it's that novel sort of. Yeah, I think beauty beauty comes from a lot of time. I think beauty does actually come from mystery and yeah. true inspiration. And true inspiration can only come from something realistically that surprises you. Right. And I think that is why I'm trying to think of a good example. Think about it. Pretty much everything good that happens in your life is something that's realistically unexpected. Even if you have strived to get there, it's know. still a better result than what you expected and you're happy about I it. I did have a burger at Weatherspoons earlier, which I did order. It was, it was a pretty good experience. Spoons <laughs> burgers, it I'd, is a gamble. I'd, I'd, I'd rather play Russian roulette, to be honest. <laughs> Coming from somebody who's the worst spoons, I agree. I'd say most, most happiness comes from fulfilling some sort of long-term goal though yeah rather than like an unexpected thing that's that's just like surprise and then you go and you go like up and then you just go back but, down back to baseline but fulfilling a goal the, the the happiness stems from the fact that by fulfilling it you've had to take that chance of whether you were going to succeed or fail and you you it's still an element of surprise and i didn't fail I succeeded. <laughs> yeah, every every yeah. endeavor I do is like, yeah. So, oh so, shit, I'm, I've got my legs. Yeah, but when you when you break it down, it's not like you're guaranteed to succeed. There is an element of dice rolling in anything that you pursue in uh, in in the pursuit of happiness or meaningfulness. And in that to that extent, I would argue that that is an element of surprise, something that's not necessarily expected, not necessarily a given. So yeah. you're telling me that every day that you set out to do something, you are 100% com- like you're 100% certain this is a fact. I'm going to succeed. Well, yeah, most things I do. Most 100 percent. 100 percent. Yeah, I know. But is is that you just being like really confident about yourself, or is no, that no, no. is that like, like most things you don't do things you don't do like most like most things you don't do aren't like actually that risky at all. Yeah, but like you're the, risk, most, the riskiest thing you do is probably like driving to work or whatever. But that's quite that's still quite vague. I'm saying in terms of like. 
if, if you actually break it down, you say so you spend, because you're a teacher, you spend all day doing a lesson plan, you're really proud of it, you think it's yeah. going to be a success, you get in, that class just for whatever reason are just pissed off that day and it's an absolute flop. Yeah. You were certain it was going to be great. There's well, that's, still that's that, a disappointment. Yeah, that's the yeah precisely. Answer. A disappointment can be a surprise because you were expecting it to be good, and that's what well, I'm think, saying. Yeah, you have an You're, expected outcome in your head, and usually that's yeah. the outcome that happens. But that doesn't mean that it can't surprise you. Right, but uh, yeah, your yeah, original yeah, assertion was that like or, or pleasure happy, count, or, or happiness or comes, happiness comes from comes a novel experience, experience or from something. And I'd say I'd say most most happiness but, comes yeah, from but, having a goal in your mind and then fulfilling that goal to either. Uh, the same degree or a better extent whereas like but purely surprise is just like fucking hell didn't expect no no that. no no no. I think you're misinterpreting what I mean by surprise I mean by it's how can I say this you're anything where something pays off do you mean it's where, yeah, so, it's, where it's, something it's where price, something wasn't. pays off you weren't guaranteed for it to pay off regardless of how confident you were yeah. no matter how arrogant you are in your in your ability to succeed well, in like something nice there is the spoon, always the Spoon's that, Burger like you, you like let's not say it's Spoon's because you know you can get a pretty dry I was going to say because there's yeah, always that chance burger. it comes up I mean it's like most, you can most be, people you can be insanely I mean, I've never really had a bad one everybody's yeah. got chances but I just yeah, think, precisely. I think it's like, that's what I mean by su- like, you, you, surprise you can get happiness you can get real true happiness from a cup of tea in the morning just chilling out that's you, not a surprise you're, 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 you're not like yeah. fuck it is oh it's got that white hand I think we're reading in too, too much to what I said about surprise and taking no, that no, no, literally, no, right. I think surprise is just the fact that things can go good things can go bad maybe, making yeah, a maybe, couple the, of, uh, maybe the unknown the unknown I think we're reading too or like conquering the unknown when I said surprise conquering the unknown might be a thing and then we're back to that idea of like most people want to be kind of in, in control to a certain degree you want to be at the wheel of your own life in most regards but yet still when something mm. out of the blue happens it kind of well, I think you use that kind of like childlike right. sense of rejuvenation. Right. Using your analogy, right? You you want to be at the wheel of your car, but you don't mm. necessarily want to know all the all the route of where you're actually. So you don't. If you're driving somewhere, it's like you don't in life. You don't necessarily want to be able to know every single thing that's going to be coming no, out no. of the way, every no. single aspect of the route. Every like you know. That's some, a, that's but at the same thing, time, you're the person in the driving seat. You're trying to order. The chaos that is, yeah, you know, that is that is emerging, and like, you can say, well, that is part of how, yeah, that meaning is sculpted is from the sort of balancing yeah. between trying to order the, this, you know, the unknown elements. And when I say su- surprise, perhaps wasn't the best word for it. I don't mean like a kind of yeah, pantomime esque. <gasps> I mean, it's He's just that you. it's just that kind of that that underlying reminder that everything that you do in life can either succeed or fail and when it does succeed you feel good and when it doesn't you can feel bad about it and that yeah Mm -hmm. so maybe surprise wasn't the right word but it's the fact that getting something right isn't guaranteed no matter how much you like to think it is it's not and deep down you know that as well no but it does I don't take your point it does feel good when good things happen but it's like it's like one of those things where I think it's like I think planning an expectation. I think also it, yeah. also from, from yeah I think I think having a having an idea of what you want and then that coming true is better than just a thing happening. Right. So it's like a preempted a preempted thing that you thought about for a long time and then that goal coming to it's like if you, if you if you're yeah, coming home and you're like fucking hell I want that I want that Weber Spoon's burger I, I want that Weber Spoon's burger. Whatever. 
Yeah, it's like that's that's better. That's better. But then you go you to get your Weatherspoons burger and you find a million pounds on the floor. You weren't expecting that, but that was a nice surprise, wasn't it? Would you rather have that Weatherspoons burger? How are you finding a million pounds? We're back to surprise. It's, it's, it's RuneScape money. It's it a big one, pile of coins. Is it, is it a one million pound check? You found a million money. You look so fucking the point, shady. The point is, you got to think about the, the use of language we're using. You're planning to get a. You're not saying I'm getting that. You're pl- it, it, realistically everything you do, you plan to do because you know that it's still not a hundred percent that what you're going to do is going to go to oh, plan yeah, yeah, yeah. And, that, and that proves my point that's what I was trying to say is that nothing that you do is certain and it's well, that, no, it's, agree, that yeah. it's that it's that uncertainty it's conquering chaos and, yeah well. and then it's, a positive you're good yeah. and you conquer chaos Precis- and that's what I meant by surprise when you try to, when you try to yeah. make when you, try, when you find order out of chaos it's like oh that feels good yeah, I, I, exactly. made, I made an impact I, I did something out of it's, it's, it's sort of in some way can be more satisfying I think it's part of to if you're going and doing a presentation in front of class for example um, and then some unexpected thing happens but you it's always better you happen to overcome it in the moment you, that's going to feel much more rewarding yeah exactly um, say if someone like a kid just says some really difficult question and he puts you on the spot but you some because you prepared enough and you, even though you didn't prepare for this question you actually overcome the challenge even though that was something that yeah, was unexpected that was an element of chaos that's, that's, that's an emergency that's, that's, right, that's yeah. an emergency I yeah. think I think it's like there are going to be emergencies in life and it's nice to have an idea of what's going to happen. But if there's an emergence like that, that wouldn't be like, hey, this is cracking. You'd be like, oh, cool. Yeah. Then this is just like another thing that you need yeah, to sort of factor into. Stress and release, yeah. That's I think, yeah, that it's, it's, t- it's tension and release, right. isn't it? It's yeah. that, that order chaos. Someone's throwing, yeah. a fucking, someone's throwing a plus four for chaos. Yeah. And then you go, okay, well, because I've already got plus nine order, I've got some fucking Apollonian shit on my side you then can take the chaos and you'll sort of stride a little bit more mm. whereas like if you were just on that knife edge and you were just on getting it done and then someone throws a little bit more chaos you're like ah, uh, yeah, fuck. I think control is the crux of what makes people happy I don't know because I, I think I think letting go of control I think too much control just doesn't make people right, happy cause, but that's the point because like, yeah, you, you never, go, you never go out having, in a presentation you have the ultimate control because you, ne- you never yeah, put yes, off that's, yeah. that's the perfect thing and yeah. there's, there's a thing called analysis paralysis where you just go like uh, the reason why a lot of people will go oh, I'm not going to do this is because it's there's a chance of failure and the best way to never fail is to never do anything mm. and it's like one of those things Charity. where you, you, yeah, you're hundred percent safe, and then yeah, you might you might for exa- you might for example go and play nine hundred hours of fucking a brutal total war campaign because you're never gonna fail in that. But I think it's like it's from it's from overcoming those little failures. I think you can get a lot of like happiness out of negativity and sort of confronting bits of chaos. Absolutely, because when you put a- anything, it, but, but allow, allow, allowing space for that chaos is, is like going. I think like you were saying, allowing space for that surprise. Yeah. So you don't. You're not going in so control. Unlike we saying about the chaos and the control. If you're going in so controlled, mm. and your entire focus is control, a tiny little thing, you're like, ah, fuck. It was, it's one, like, it's one of the things that makes religion so uh, just attractive. It's because in Four. within religiosity, oh, you have this. Religion is stacked. You uh, <laughs> religion thick. You have this. You, know. you have this idea of of control in your <laughs> life. And control in the. The nature of things, the nature of everything, you you have a place in it, and I think that gives people a sense of control over 
Like, it gives him a sense of place. I think, yeah, I think you nailed it with a sense yeah, of place. Yeah. It's like, there was, um, oh, fuck, I can't remember, there was issue someone talking about it today. Ex- existentialism and it was, it was, um, They were talking about Jonathan Hyatt and they were talking about that fucking coddling the American mind. Yeah, yeah. They're saying people actually quite like it when you go, it's like the people on the campus are saying, we need Big Daddy to come down and tell us that we cannot have these certain uh, fancy dress uniforms or whatever. Hmm. So there's a certain point where you just go, ah, too much chaos. I want there to be an authoritarian strongman to come in and take control mm. of it. I well, think that, that's, yeah, that, that can be a bit I, dangerous. I think with some, some religion, I don't know, different religion leaves that because you've got the ultimate strongman, which is fucking God. Yeah, it's this, mix, it's this mix between humility and accepting your humble place and everything and having a, having this big thing take control. Also, but also a place. Yeah, but yeah, it's, well, knowing the place is, is the ultimate thing. But also, I think that's slightly confusing because you're not really lower than God. You basically are God because yeah. you know God's will and you're on a mission from God and you're going to join him later on. It's like, it's not, you're not really under divinity. You are part of that divinity. So you get, you get the best of both worlds. You get, you get every part of it. Is that part of what you think Christians have, that little sneaking, like, hey, we're just as the basic God. If it is a little, if it is a little like wink, they go, hey, yeah, yeah, we're just uh, below you, big guy. With him, <laughs> so isn't that a light moment? Just knowing that you're God and everyone around you's God. And... Yeah, well, it's, it's knowing your place and everything. Yeah. Case closed. Religion solved. Yeah. <laughs> We've just cracked it in this room. Your bags, boys. We're going home. Yeah, but it's, I mean, it's, yeah. To just come back to that point about order and chaos. Yeah, I think I think I mean, the better way to put it is that order can be tyrannical, not necessarily in the sense that we think about it in terms of just like there being some overpowering order that can enforce a lack of, say, colour or variety in one's life. But it's, it's more the fact that it is that an ultimate form of order is also colourless in the sense that um, a lack of going for opportunity, like we said, is one of the ultimate forms of order, like you said, analysis paralysis. Yeah. And so it's like um, the reason why it is useful to introduce elements of chaos is because you can't, because every time you do anything, you're introducing, you're letting chaos into your life. Is it? Um, is everything, every time you walk out the door, there's chaos as being like yeah, a certain yeah, level of chaos, but it's, 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 it's always, the way you should always do it is approach it, you know, with a level of chaos that is not overwhelming. So is that um, to say that chaos is almost like you could draw like a quicksand analogy? Chaos only really exists as a problem when you fight it? Well, I think, to some I, I think, I think, but I think, I think, when you resist, I think it is good to resist chaos. So it's like, yeah. like yeah. The, the, the fundamental undertaking of being human is to is to like get enough chaos that you're like that you're on the edge, progressing. Yeah. yeah, but you're not like fucking yeah. having. That's personally down. what I'd like. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm just trying to unpack what you yeah. guys. The whole chaos. You have to indulge in a certain level of chaos for any degree of progression. It's the risk reward element, looking right. looking yeah. back to nature. So if if the alphas didn't go out of the tribe <laughs> and kill the saber toothed tiger, we'd all die anyway. So some people have to take that risk. Some of them would die along the way, but then you know life would go on that cycle until one alpha succeeds. Effectively, are we right. so sure there's a difference between a fundamental, complete difference with no bleeding in between of chaos and order? Oh no, no, it's a spectrum. It's like a dichotomy, yeah. isn't it? Like yeah. autism. Yeah, yeah, basically. Literally. <laughs> so, so, so it's like you, you Grand. going, you going, and like I don't know, like you walking outside is like you going from going from order, and you're just going like, oh, a little bit of chaos. Yeah. If you went outside, 
naked running through the street <laughs> shouting some fucking mad shit like that Coney 2012 that's a, that's a little bit more chaos <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, in, you're inviting a little bit more just chaos just into your life let's yeah. say you're totally um, at peace with chaos where are you there well, I think I think no one's totally a piece of chaos because chaos is like chaos would be like you in the middle of a firefight in a Rwandan genocide. That's like that's like absolute chaos, right? I, I think that, that's 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 like oh shit, like terrible things are happening. There, there's there's no way around this. Yeah. This is like you know. Yeah, we're framing this as control, though. But let's my, let's say the ultimate say we have no control. My, my, Does that fit anywhere on the spectrum? Is no, I think, I think I think yeah, somewhere around the middle. And I think I think there's well, control there's, is the ordering of chaos. Yeah, right? yeah. So, 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 so. Con- control is over here. Control is like you. You're sat in a room where you're you're filled with nutrient paste or whatever, and you can control yeah. everything, and you don't do anything. You don't experience anything which is challenging to your sort of point of view. You're just like existing. I think that's like the ultimate control, or you're like, I don't, I, I think that that would definitely yeah. do. But it's like you, you're you're playing everything around you. You're like being, you're like Laplace's demon. You know every yeah. single fact of the universe, and there can't be anything that surprises you. That is like the ultimate control, and the other is like the opposite. I think you need to be floating around uh, order and chaos, sort of just a bit more into chaos than quick, order. Quick question: We may have answered this already. I just want to double check. We have definitely answered everything. Yeah, because chaos. My understanding of chaos, and maybe it's this rude. is based on the Jungian archetype, is that chaos isn't necessarily a bad thing because obviously no, chaos yeah. is associated with, with creation, with birth, uh, and that from chaos can come what we would perceive as good things. As, as the creation of new things. So, just to clarify, are we are we all in agreement that, that chaos can can yeah, be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just because all the examples I've been hearing of chaos have been like Rwandan genocide. That's the extreme end. You got Matrix yeah. Architect. Wouldn't you say though that, that, that the extreme end of chaos can also include like the fucking creation of worlds? I'd say that's pretty extreme. It's pretty. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's probably. pretty mental. So then, surely then the extreme yeah. end isn't just inherently a bad thing. Well, I guess, well, I guess, I guess that then we go like the extreme end of order is just like singularity and like the the stage yeah. just before the yeah. big bang. So it's like yeah. that would be extreme end. I think these terms are a little bit too binary. Well, yeah, I think I think we're we're just sort of going Apollonian Dionysian. We're just sort of going like good and bad. And I think there is there is like an element of yeah. chaos where it's just like 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 improvisation is like in music. Yeah. Like in, yeah. so so in say like chaos theory or whatever, we're, we're defining it as so a, a system where the initial conditions. Um, the very tiny changes to the initial conditions of a system give rise to very, very different outcomes on the system. Um, and that, you know, that is kind of in a way a sort of math, fairly mathematical definition of how you would set, what, define chaos in the sense that it is something where the, the initial conditions can give rise to such unpredictable, unseeable, you know, consequences mm-hmm. um, that, that are that it becomes increasingly uncontrollable. And that's the point. But you have to introduce certain amounts of chaos so you can actually have any degree of progress and whatever. So, yeah, the, the point the point is, yes, you're constantly riding that line. You're constantly riding that line where you're introducing manageable levels of chaos into your life because that's all you can do. Because yeah. all you can do is live in a certain state of chaos but constantly be trying to order it in, in such a way that you, you get and progress. And it's a fantastic way of thinking because you, you go for a bad thing and you go, oh, this is good. Well, yeah, this is this is level of chaos yeah. that we can handle. Yeah. This and is level of chaos that's driving progress. That's why the Taoists had um, yin and yang. Like that's why it was. Yeah, like, like, it was chaos literally is not a negative thing. Yeah, it's precisely. Like, the, the the white and black was seen as as coexisting. You have to have both of them in in your life in equal measure to to have a truly whole life. And that exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
conversation, taking that conversation away from existentialism. Uh, no. Back to animals. Yeah, we were talking about hell of a digression, but good. Yeah, yeah, that was very good. Yeah, yeah. So that that idea of kind of a spectrum of control, I think, is useful in thinking about animals. So this is my kind of speculative um, animal ethics grounding, kind of where I where I think we should probably be thinking about it. This is kind of how I finished my dissertation. so I, I actually said about there's a pub in Bristol where they have a lot of cats running around, and uh, it's it's that um, I'm my head in. it's that inevitable stones, mate. <laughs> it's fucking it it stinks in there. Well, I'm safety clothes, you dead. <laughs> there's there's <laughs> there's there's a very harmonious atmosphere. It's the first input like forty minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's get possessed by a cockney. I'm <laughs> stupid. <laughs> there's there's a really harmonious atmosphere in this pub. It's it's really serene. It's really nice. Uh, humans and animals existing, kind of cooperatively, I guess, because there's less control over the animals well, no, than they only let cats in. They, they don't. They let people in. Otherwise, there's no fucking custom. <laughs> no, 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 no. But like, but like, yeah, it's like less control over animals. Yeah, but you let bear in there. Was They're right <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like it's, it's sure. just cat, cats are nice. Cats, cats are like we accept cats. They're on that spectrum of like they are pets. Sure, yeah, but uh, I mean, yeah, animals eat food. I'm most talk, talking about um, <laughs> how we can look at the, the grey area between the ex- exploitation and you know completely left alone. This grey area between where pets exist of domesticated or captive, and I think the the only way you can really do that is so the only way a zoo can be good uh, ethically is to basically exist somewhere between control and letting them go because the, basically yeah, yeah. in this pub there was a door where they all the cats would come down this was the main attraction like I said like we said it was it's inevitable that people are going to want to fucking grab a cat and squeeze it too much and <laughs> go oh a cat yeah, someone's had a few pints they ring out a cat yeah and it's just fucking <laughs> cat, cat in a pint <laughs> They were, it was fucking hilarious. They were pouring their own pints and stuff. It was, they were just falling, falling all over the bar, sleeping on the bar. So one of them vomited on the bar. It's like, it's, uh, it, I'm not gonna lie. This, this sounds like your fucking communist utopia. This but well, that is Bristol. I'm not mate. fucking like, about <laughs> freaking out already. But there was, there was. Uh, I, don't, I don't even really like cats. I don't even really like cats. But everyone was just very at ease. It's, it's a nice thing to have in some pubs. Yeah, everyone got, likes an animal. They've got fucking toxoplasmosis. They've all got parasites in their blood. Point being, the door was open at the back behind the bar, so all the cats knew where to go if it all got a bit too fucking rowdy and too much. There was kind of like a release valve. So I think that's a very good way to look at things like zoos and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, can these animals exist somewhere between their wilderness state and a position where we can enjoy them and entertain, be entertained by them as a spectacle? Mm-hmm. Can both worlds exist at the same time, or, or could we could we be somewhere in the middle in that spectrum? I think that's probably documentaries, isn't it? If we film them because they're in the wild and we're just like perving on them. But I yeah. think it's like cats aren't they? They're the only animals that chose to live with us. Like they haven't, we haven't domesticated them. They domesticated yeah. us. They just mm-hmm. they just came to live with us. Dogs right. we bred from wolves. Cats were just like, hey, look, these guys. Oh, I think there are other animals that do that as well, like to a lesser extent, like house martins and things. And they, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they use us as a thing, but so cats think we're terrible at hunting, which is why they give us a mouse. Yeah, literally. But I don't know. I think 
Yeah, because houseman's always got like a way out. But I think, I think the whole point is oh, like cats always have a way out. Yeah. Yeah. They, you know, they, they've got the, the cat flap. They can always just fuck off, can't they? But yeah. it's like, I think it's like. But I think more more dog owners are maybe starting to see that side of things as well, like encouraging animals' natural behaviours and you know not being too authoritative over an animal. I don't know. I think that's fucking that's bollocks. Because it's just like if you do that and then you wonder where your dog assaults a toddler, and it's just like. I want to see what that that beam is. <laughs> Sorry, I'm disrupting I think it's yeah. like the point was like a zoo. It just that it descended from that fucking Victorian thing, like you were saying. The animal like, circus, yeah. The animal circus, and it's just like they say it's a conservation thing. All they're doing is breeding our animals for zoos, and then occasionally they'll they'll pump a few back into the fucking. Yeah, thing. so at one end of the spectrum, you have the animal circus. And that elements of that still exist in places like SeaWorld. So again, that's harking back to that. So it was not great, is it? That idea of augmenting nature, of making it do something like a tiger jumping. Is tiger isn't just good enough to look at it? You have yeah, to make yeah. it jump through a fucking hoop. You know, it's like it's like a fucking it's a spectacle. Ver- Vernon Dudley in Harry Potter. Yeah. Move. <laughs> make it move. <laughs> is that shit? Isn't that's, it? The, that's the best analogy I've heard for that. reference. At the other end, you've got. Like leave it totally alone. We're just going to do um, breeding programs and introduce this creature back into the world. But that's not leaving it alone. Yeah, well, if we leave it alone, it'll fucking die. So it's like yeah. Bre- bre- so bre- that's bre- why bre- I think bre- augmentation augmentation can be good, but it has to be augmentation with the grain of I th- I think, what they want to do. It's the first yeah, time that we I think it's the first yeah. time that we've realised the the impacts we have. It's like, but like we we didn't used to do this about our animals. We're just like exploit them like a resource and go oh shit they all died it's like now now, now we know our place we can sort of go oh well we have to stop these things in order to do that Mm. it's like and I think your point about like you know owners introducing more wild behaviours than dogs I just think it's just like so stupid no not yeah so yeah again it's this idea of being I guess selective about the behaviours some things are good some things are bad but like uh, this is like anti-vaxxers da- this not, is what this no, is no I'm, I'm not saying dangerous <laughs> behaviour this is, this is I'm not there. saying encourage them to bite no but it's saying don't don't encourage them to be socialised you want to socialise them so that they yeah. that they, they are the least risk to everyone else around them when I say encouraging I a dog's so. natural behaviours I mean letting a dog do having certain freedoms Rather than what does having, that mean, though? what like, is its natural behavior? Because like a sheep dog, its natural behavior is to do stuff that humans have trained it to, like have bred it yeah, to do. Exactly. Yeah, it literally wants its natural state is something that is domesticated. It's yeah. like, is, it, you know, it is an animal that is gets co, you know, cohabited with I'd, now. I'd say a sheep dog might be a bad example though, because sheep dog, they're, they're, they're born with ridiculously high levels of anxiety. They're ridiculously. Um, what's one of the big five ones? Neurosis. Yeah, yeah they're, they're very incredibly animals. neurotic. Which I think I've always speculated this is a little bit twisted that we've bred an animal to be. Like no, that. because if you see sheepdogs working, sheepdogs are very happy animals. I think I think it's sheepdogs yeah, yeah, put in the wrong context. Which yeah, but this is very the, nervous. Yeah, I know. And this is this is the problem though, is because there's so, so many people the like like my parents. Yeah, so it's, so it's, natu- it's natural. To, it's, it's natural it's behavior. Not, it's not the animal. It never, it's never the animal. It's not yeah. the animal's fault. Though. It's natural. It's natural behavior is to enjoy wide open spaces. That's this is what I mean. You affirm what it yeah. wants. 
Like, don't dress a pug in. Someone came. Don't, 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 don't allow a pug to fucking. Yeah, live. don't allow. A don't, pug don't, 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 exactly. don't, 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 don't. You're talk, talking, talking about like. It can't even breathe. The don't, first yeah. basic don't, don't, function. The pug is, the pug is just not, not even vaguely a wild animal. Yeah, so no. it, it's it's um. It's a of once, so once the killing pugs. Once the breed is alive, is what to do with them. But it's also to do with how we breed these animals. I think the best thing to do for all pugs is to actually kill them. Someone. <laughs> <laughs> I, I generally think it is. I think, I think it's a species that... Well, I think we should stop breeding them. I think the entire breed. species is like basically on a one-way track to devolve into like a point where its entire existence is pain. And that's what's what 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 dog is it the one that has its brain grows... Yeah. It might be a broad It's so twisted. And the pedigree versions literally just suffer like horribly. And you'll see... And they have like fits. Yeah. Yeah, and you'll see people... And these are the same people who post like... Oh, he says, you know, what, re- recycle your milk bowls. And it's just like they're fucking spastic dogs, like it's, brains coming out of his it's ears. It's not just it's little just dogs, suffering. though. And this is the problem. I mean, Alsatians are a prime example. German Shepherds, those yeah, dogs German are bred to have sloped backs, and that's seen as a very desirable yeah. quality yeah. for yeah. a show dog. It fucks them. Yeah, they things like crafts and things. I think, yeah, they yeah, can't yeah, operate their back breeds. legs yeah. at like eight years old. Their life expectancy yeah. is so much shorter than other dog breeds, yet yeah. they're amazing, powerful dogs. Why? Yeah, yeah. Like they're, they're not like a pug, you know. Pedigree f- breeds, yeah. Yeah, they're phenomenal working yeah. animals. They're viciously loyal. I, I'd have an Alsatian over a pug any day. Yet they're still being fucked over by abnormalities that we've bred into normality. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like that. You can keep that. Yeah, but I think stopping all pug breeding is just a really nice way of just killing yeah. them all. Yeah, so I mean, you just you just ensure that they never have. Oh yeah, I, I I agree. I think a lot of pedigree breeding should have same as knife. I just didn't want Peter stopped. to take it out of context. If anyone from such other organisations, it's Peter. Peter.